As a leader, you have to make tough decisions sometimes. How do you guide others to make good decisions? So before guiding others,、um, I kind of started to reflect on how do I make big decisions or decisions in general, and then how to pass that along. And one of the things that、um, I do for big decisions is that I never do that alone. And、um, a lot of times we can make decisions off of how we feel. And、um, some people, when you when you approach people, and it's very important who you talk to when making decisions,、um, that they'll be able to to kind of mirror back what reality is or what what is maybe the wiser thing to do.、Um, in in helping others to make decisions like that,、um, I try to be、uh, encourage them to be as direct as possible, but with respect.、Um, When we live in Hawaii and we have the culture of sometimes being a little more indirect, or you know, we say things and we're trying to say what we mean, but maybe the person that you're talking to might not receive it the same way. And so,、um, a, an exercise that I've learned along the way, even from people that have led me, is be as direct as possible, and but with respect. You know, you don't want to be、um, negative or, or things like that. And then、um, a good exercise too is when you do that. Maybe have them mirror it back and say, "Okay, now tell me what you feel like I said, and you know, help them to make a decision." You're planting a new church. How do you reach that final decision to do so? You know, in the decision of planting a church, it it was it's a funny story.、Um, I'm the kind of person that that sometimes waits a little longer to make a decision.、Um, I'm a little less like go getter. And so,、um, I, I, for some reason, was having lunch with with actually the my partner or you know who we're we're gonna plan together, Pastor TJ Gorham, and、um, this overwhelming sense of like I think we're we're in this next phase of growth, and it's not a next step because planning a church isn't something that you should do out of like okay, what how else can I grow? Let's do this. It was almost as if.、Um, I really began to see how God has put me and Pastor Tija together as a as a partnership in in being able to reach more people for Jesus. So I kind of, in a way of making a decision to do this, as, and it's a huge risk, is、um, almost having the heart of just taking the risk and saying, "Okay, Lord, this is how I feel, and we're just gonna go. If this isn't what you want us to do, would you just close the doors?" And so, even in not just church planning, but in all kinds of other decisions, when when it's tr- you're trying to make a decision to reach more people for Jesus, I mean, God is really waiting for people to take a step out, and then He'll use those people who who want to take that risk and then explode that exponentially. Sometimes for us, we tend to wait for God to tell us what to do, and so in this way, it was almost as if like. You know, I think this is the the next thing to do、um, for us in reaching people for Jesus. It's providing more opportunities for people to get off of the bleachers and onto the playing field. And so that's kind of the 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 the, the roadmap that we've been on is why not just jump forward, take risk, and allow Jesus to close the doors if He wants to. Well, we're all faced with major decisions. I'm faced with a major decision、uh, right now in my home because of the the weather that came through. But can we just say thank you to Pastor Kamal Singh for sharing with us today? 
And they're going to be planting next month. They're on Oahu, and they're going to be planting in Kaka'ako. So if you have family members there, then please direct them right in that area. And we're trying to plant churches uh, in pockets where instead of people having to drive to church, we're trying to get churches to communities. And so we'll be planting that. And it's, uh, he comes out of Pastor Fernando Castillo, uh, formerly known as New Hope Diamond Head. They are now Christ-centered community church. And Pastor Fernando Castillo is our district supervisor. Uh, and so they're going to be planting next month. So you, you'll hear more about that and, and we'll give you more information. So here we are. We are here Sunday morning. We survived, but we're still surviving because there are still people uh, left without electricity. We still don't have electricity. And this morning when I came in, someone said, they, they, real respectfully, they came up to me and they said, you know, if you have to shave... I have hot water at my house. <laughs> and, and I forgot. I didn't shave. Only because of this. The other day when, uh, I think it was Friday or Saturday, uh, yesterday, I'm thinking, you know, I, I get ready, coming to church, and uh, then I'm thinking about people who are worse off than Heidi and I, Heidi and myself. And I said, Lord, how can I, how can I just help people be aware? Because if you're not in the situation... You don't know what help is needed. You don't know what people actually are going through or what they need. And so people who are stuck or having a difficult time because they don't have electricity, they can get mad at people who have electricity and aren't in that situation. So if you're in this situation, you don't have electricity, don't get mad when someone gets electricity. Like, oh, you got electricity. Finally, you got electricity. I still stuck in the dark. You can, you can develop that. Be thankful that people do get electricity. So I said, Lord, how can I help people stay aware? And he gave me this idea. Until everyone gets electricity on this island, I will not shave my face. I just have to, just have to go without. And I'm Filipino, so it's not like I'm going to have one full-on beard. You know. <laughs> oh, who knows what will happen. But it's just a reminder to myself that I got to continue to pray uh, continue to pray for Helco workers. I mean, if you're in here and you work for Helco, we are so thankful for you, for your hard work and your dedication. And all the service workers, our, our school administration, they had to do shelters, uh, our Red Cross, our police and fire departments, all of our uh, state and county workers, uh, people delivering ice and chopping down trees, cutting uh, roadways, you know, people are stuck and uh, people are delivering food. You know, we can look at this as, a, as a, a major catastrophe, which it is, and tragedy, but boy, when you see the help and the people uh, coming together, you just see the love of God being stirred up, and that's what we're called to do. Uh, we want to also thank uh, uh, different restaurants providing food and people delivering food. Uh, the the help uh, or the list is endless on people who are helping. So just thank you to everyone who is participating in helping a neighbor. Uh, just remember that we're called to be the light of the world. So there are, there are still situations that, that we want to make sure uh, we take care of people. Uh, all the different churches that are helping. You know, we want to say thank you to all the, the churches that are out there. 
and then our news reporters. And I know news reporters, especially weather uh, reporters or meteorologists, you know, sometimes they hit it right on the money and sometimes they know more money and they miss the whole entire thing. But uh, our, our news reporters and then our DJs here locally who kept us uh, informed on what was happening. Can we say thank you to them also? One of them serves here at our church. Many of them serve and or you come here. So we want to say thank you for your hard work, the effort that you put into it. And so all of us put together, let's stay on the side that brings hope to people rather than uh, complaining or like Dr. Robin said, sometimes we'll complain, but bring it to God. Bring the complaint to God. Let him adjust our attitude and then let's bring hope into the world. Uh, I just want to let you know that we're working on a plan and uh, we got two ice machines that can only produce 1,500 pounds a day. And that goes in 20 minutes. It's gone. We'll just load up coolers, take it down to Paradise Park. We can't even go further than Paradise Park right now. So we're developing a plan that we could just get more ice and see how we can uh, help people. If you can do this, if you have a freezer, if you can just make blocks of ice and then bring it up here, that would be helpful. You can call the church office uh, or just come by between Tuesday and Friday during church office hours and just bring it here. You can drive behind where the kitchen area is and uh, we'll be sure to have people there. If not, come by the office first or just call. Let us know you're going to come up. And our, our church is over 1,000 people. So imagine if we all can make one or two blocks of ice, if you're able to, and then bring it up here or a cooler. Uh, we're going to try to have people deliver it out there. If you have a truck, we need your help. So imagine if truckloads of people just went to Paradise Park and beyond. I think Nanavale, they, need, uh, they don't have power or various places. If you need help, please let us know. Don't, uh, don't feel... Like, oh, I'm going to be a, a trouble. I'm going I'm, I'm to cause trouble. or I don't want to be a burden. This is why we exist as a church. This is the reason why we're here. It's to bring hope to people. Uh, so go to the information center and let us know what you need. Or if you have a family member or a friend, uh, let us know what they need. Uh, it could be as simple things as soap could be a simple thing as bottled water, whatever. Just let us know so that we can put some things together. So we're putting that plan together. Our courtyard tent, we took it down because of that. And so we didn't put it back up yet. Because it's down, we're actually going to clean it. I don't know if you saw it, but the bug are dirty. So we're going to make sure it's clean while it's down. So it may take about a week or so, maybe more than that, just to get it cleaned. Uh, but we do have our fellowship hall that we can eat and fellowship in. So... Uh, that's where we are, and uh, we can do everything possible to help people. In this series that we're talking about following the ultimate leader, and, and today you're talking about indecision or indecisiveness. Boy, this past week, I'm sure a lot of people had to make quick decisions on the fly. And a lot of, and I hate to say it like this, but it is kind of like what had to happen. A lot of rules had to be broken in order for people to get help. And it's in that situation that people are going to make the tough decision so that help can come to people. And then we can deal with it later. Indecision, indecisiveness, uh, we're all going to deal with. Especially in our very own lives when it comes to relationships or the future. 
or the biggest one, what am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with this relationship with God? So as we dive in, you can take out your notes in your bulletin. I, uh, hopefully we have them in there. You know, electricity was on and on. We have the notes. Yay, good, good job to the team, the staff team. Uh, because we're all going to deal with indecisiveness uh, <laughs> on our date night. This is, this is the worst. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have husbands listen to this part. Before you go out on your date night, pick a place. Pick a place. Just say to your wife, honey, we are going to this place. And then she'll be so proud of you. She'll be like, wow, look at that. Usually you say, hey, where you like going? Where you like going? We fight about where you like going. But look at that. You were so assertive. I like that. I don't want to go there. But thank you for even saying that. Because that's what, I'm just letting you know. That's what's going to happen. I want to eat here. Or I don't like eat there. Or they'll say, make a decision. Okay, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do that. So you're still going to deal with it. But indecisiveness is always, it's always going to be a part of us because of our humanity. The reason why we're indecisive is because we can't predict nor know the future. We don't know the future, so we're indecisive about it. You know who is assertive and is the most uh, uh, confident person to make decisions? God. Jesus Christ knew what to say and what to do and what decision to make because he knows all things. That's why we encourage all of us, and that's why we say, let's follow the ultimate leader. He's not indecisive. He makes decisions based on the truth and based on what he already knows. Now, there's a man in the Bible that was faced with the truth, faced with Jesus Christ. His name was Pontius Pilate, and he stood before Christ, and Christ stood before him, and this is before Jesus was going to the cross. Pilate had to make a decision what to do with Jesus Christ because Jesus was coming in with the truth of God, but no one really understood what he was trying to do. They understood the laws of God, but Jesus came in a different way. He came with love and, and compassion. And so the people were kind of on the fence on, on some areas, and some people loved him, some people hated him, some people were right in the middle or they were skeptical about him. Some people just ignored him. So everyone was in a different place. By the time Jesus was arrested by the religious leaders because they didn't know what to do with him, they took him to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the governor, and said, you put this guy to death because he is, he is he's doing things that are against our laws, our religion. And Pontius Pilate said, wait a minute, would you do something with him? But Pontius Pilate was in a weird predicament because he didn't have favor with the Jews and he didn't have favor with... Herod, the king. So he was in a, a tough spot. He didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. And so they bring Jesus to him, and now he's stuck. He doesn't know what to do. But then he finds out, wait a minute, he's, he's not from here. He's from Galilee? So now he's all happy. He's saying, oh, great, he's not from Galilee. He's, he's out of my jurisdiction. So he is happy to pass Jesus on to someone else. Pilate has to make a quick decision. And what he is about to say is either going to put Jesus on the cross or release Christ. You know, you and I have not had to make that kind of decision where the Son of God is going to be crucified. We didn't have to make that decision. Pilate was stuck making that decision. The question we need to ask ourselves really 
which is where Pilate was at, is what am I going to do with Jesus? And Pilate being face to face with Jesus, he's contemplating what to do. Have you ever felt yourself or found yourself contemplating, what do I need to do? What should I do? How am I going to make this decision? What should I say that it literally cripples you? We're all going to have to make those decisions. In this past couple of days, you know, we don't have hot water. So Heidi said, oh, man, we don't have hot water. So, you know, me growing up in, in where I grew up in Waimanalo, you, you like the challenges of trying to rig up something. Do you have a person like that in your family, just like rigging up stuff? Well, so I went outside and I tried to make my own solar bag of water so that the sun could heat it up. So I, I was out there for, I don't know, a couple hours, putting it on ladders and getting it at the highest possible place and getting it set up nice and, and good and then where I can run a hose to siphon and that way we'd have hot water. So I set all of that up. Last night before we go to bed, this is about, I don't know, 9.30 at night. I'm about to get ready to go to bed to prepare for today. And Heidi is washing dishes and she says, um, hey, the, the ladder's out there. I don't want anybody to see it because, you know, people are actually stealing things. So watch your property. And if you're stealing, hala. So she says, we've got to take down the ladders. I don't want anyone to see it. So I look at her and I said, you want, me to, you want me to take it down? She goes, well, I just don't want anybody to take it, you know, if, if, if um, they see it. And I said, so what you're saying is I need to take it down right now? She goes, well, it's up to you. And boy, as husbands, don't we hate that when we have to make that decision after our wife already suggested it? Because if we don't, then they go, okay. But if we do, if we have to, now we got to work to do that. So I said, Heidi, just tell me, yes or no. Do you want me to take it down? She goes, yes. I was like, okay. So I went outside. And as I'm walking outside, I have this attitude like, why? You tell me now. So I walk outside, and my son Jordan is going to help me. I walk outside. If I don't step on a rock, I almost fall. And my son goes, Dad, I saw that. I'm like, yeah, see this. Bing. So... And the moment I stepped on the rock, I thought, oh, Lord, you, you are so good at easily adjusting my heart. You know, I almost felt like the Lord said, see, you like have bad attitudes. Look where you're walking. And so I took the thing down. But it's, it's, it's making that decision. What am I going to do? Now, taking down water from a ladder, that's sim- those are simple things. What about, what about when we have to decide about our relationship, getting married, uh, getting counseling, Getting, uh, going on a budget, if I'm going to be a, a, a contributor at church, am I going to serve? Am I going to give? Am I going to work here? Am I going to continue employment at this place? Am I going to find another job? Am I going to look for work? I mean, these are, these are major decisions. Am I going to move? Am I going to sell my home? These are major decisions that can leave us crippled because we don't know what to do. And that's where Pilate found himself. He's standing before Jesus Christ Wondering, okay, what am I going to do with this man? In your notes, in Matthew chapter 27, and if you have your Bibles, of course, you can turn there. But in our notes, Matthew chapter 27, I'll read from verses 11 through 17. Now, Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. And, and, and Pilate says this, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. But when the leading priest and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. 
Don't you hear all these charges they are bringing you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? See, people were skeptical about Jesus Christ. Not just in what he did, but because he was supposed to be the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one who would come to rescue Israel, the one who would bring God's kingdom down so that the people could be rescued. The prophetic word about Jesus being the Messiah was just too perfect. and People couldn't connect it. They're saying, wait, how is this all going to work? It was just too perfect. And Jesus even himself was speaking about what God was about to do. Even though there were many prophetic writings about the life of Christ, people still remained skeptical. You know, as I was um, delivering blocks of ice and, and bags of ice to people, uh, I would just try to find people who were in need. And if I saw people outside, I would ask. And, and, and some people, they were kind of skeptical. They were saying, oh, uh, how, how much is the ice? I said, oh, it's free. He said, free? I said, yeah. Oh, I take two bags then. So I would give out bags. This, this one guy, he's working on his car, and he's down a lane, so I kind of pull on the side, and I roll down my passenger window, and he's, he's out there sitting down on a spare tire working on something on his car. He's smoking cigarettes, just kicking back, and I said, brother. He goes, oh. I said, you need ice. He goes, hey. I said, you need ice. He goes, hey. I said, ice, ice. You need ice. He stared at me a long time. Ah. <laughs> uh, and I said, and so I'm thinking, wait, what is he thinking? <laughs> so I said, ice for your cooler. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm good, brother. I'm good. And, you know, nowadays, you say the wrong thing. You don't know. And people are just like, they're skeptical because of what happened before or what's taking place now. So I, I was going to say, hey, you need frozen ice, but that's kind of obvious, right? How else are you going to bring ice? <laughs> so I say, ice for your cooler. And, and people will still hesitate. Uh, last night, 9.30 at night, you know, just delivering ice to people, I would just shine like, hey, you guys need ice. And, and some people, I don't know if they had, you know, like shotgun coming out because I couldn't see it was dark. But just coming to people, they're skeptical at first. But after a while, once that relationship is built and the walls are broken down, then, then there's acceptance. Some people accepted Christ because that wall was broken down. Some people were still skeptical. Well, Pilate is skeptical. He, he doesn't even know about the Messiah. He doesn't know about the prophetic writings. He's the governor for Rome. And now he has to make this decision even though the prophetic writings was, was just too accurate. In fact, in Psalm 22, verses 16 through 18, look at how, how, how amazingly perfect this scripture talks about Jesus Christ. My enemies surrounded me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. 
to be pierced by your hands and feet was not really recognizable or thought of because the way they would execute people, remember now the, the laws of God said if you, if you broke the laws or if you did certain things, you would be stoned to death. You wouldn't be crucified. That was a Roman's way of putting people to death. That was a Roman execution. So for this to be written hundreds of years before Christ, it was just unheard of. I can count all my bones. Even that, what they would do if they didn't die on the cross or being crucified or being executed, they would break their legs so that they couldn't hold themselves up to take a breath. The two people that were crucified next to Christ, their bones were broken to increase the speed of their death. But when they came to Jesus, he was already dead on the cross, so they didn't break his bones. And this was written hundreds of years before that. My enemies stare at me and gloat, which they did at that time. They divided my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. And that's what they did with that purple robe that Jesus had. They threw dice to see who could take it because it was a very expensive uh, piece of material. Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Jesus was whipped. He was flogged. So the Bible was speaking specifically about the death of Jesus Christ and how that would take place. And even then, people were skeptical. They were indecisive. They didn't know what to do with Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself even predicted what would happen. In other words, no matter how difficult, indecision was not a part of Christ's vocabulary. He knew what he needed to do. Listen, he said in Matthew 20, verses 18 and 19. We're going up to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priest and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Now, Jesus himself spoke these things, and still... They didn't understand. They didn't know what to make of it. His own disciples didn't know what to do. Pilate himself was stuck there, not knowing what to do. And Pilate's seen it all. As the Roman governor, he's seen it all. He, 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 he saw how people come to him and say, I'm innocent. People come to him with explanation. People come to him with, but it was so-and-so. They did this. And, and many trials he had. He, he heard many people. He's seen it all. But he had never seen anything like this. He never saw someone like Jesus Christ. He got stuck. He didn't know what to do. And Christ is standing before Pilate. But at that very moment, it was actually Pilate standing before Christ. Pilate now found himself standing before the Son of God not knowing what to do. Even though Jesus was on trial, it almost felt like Pilate was on trial. Pilate himself, not knowing what to do, felt like he was the one on trial. And so he asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? It's like Pilate doesn't even know how to put this together. My people are foolish, Jeremiah 14, excuse me, Jeremiah 4, 22 says. 
and do not know me, says the Lord. Now, this is the New Living Translation, and the reason why I wanted to use this is because it uses a word that is kind of gripping. It says, they are stupid children who have no understanding. They are clever enough at doing wrong, but they have no idea how to do right. And if you're taking notes, just circle that word, how, because this is where indecision becomes a, yes. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, just to let you know, that's last week's notes. I'm sure you guys got it. <laughs> just in case you missed last week, now you caught up. That's why we have this bad boy right here. <laughs> I was wondering why you guys all look confused. And, we, and it had to be on the scripture that says they are stupid children who have no understanding. <laughs> they are clever enough. We are clever enough at doing wrong, but we have no idea how to do right. Oh, boy. Pilate didn't know how to do right. He's standing before the righteous one, the king of all, and he doesn't know how to make this decision. He's stuck. Isn't it interesting that we're indecisive because we don't know how to make a decision? If we knew how to make the decision, then we wouldn't be as indecisive as we are, especially when it came to Jesus Christ. Because that's the major decision. What am I going to do with Jesus Christ? How am I going to live? It's our job as believers to receive from God what is right and then let people know by our lifestyle, this is how we do what is right. Otherwise, how will they know what is right and what is wrong? It's our responsibility to show what is right. It's God's responsibility to change hearts when we show them what is right. We can't change hearts. We can't tell people, you got to do this, or don't do this, do this, do this, don't do that. We can do that, but we can't change their hearts. We'll get frustrated if we try to change people. We'll have a difficult time. You know, someone said something the other day, and many people are saying this, and I understand this statement. And this is the statement that I've been hearing, and, and, and it's okay to say this, so I'm not, I'm not downplaying this. They'll look at their home and say, nothing happened to us. This shows me how much God loves me. A tree hit, missed my car. Wow, God, thank you. You're showing me how much you love me. Tree missed my house. God, this is how much you're showing me you love me. Nothing happened to us. Wow, God, it, you, you're just showing me your love. And we'll share this with people. Now, I understand the context, and we all know the context. Absolutely, God loves us, and he shows us his love in simple ways and in extreme ways and in tangible and personal ways. However, having said that, what about the person whose tree did land on their house? Does that mean God doesn't love them? What about the person whose car did get damaged or house that got destroyed? How, how, do we, how do we explain God's love for them? See, I think it's more than just how much God loves us for those of us who never got anything damaged. But this is what the Lord showed me. Nothing happened to your home, not so that I show you my love. I already shown you my love by dying for your sins. If I don't show you anything else, that should be enough. But I will still show you my love. But I show you my love by not destroying anything of your property. 
not so that you could see my love. It's so that you can help someone else see my love. Because right now they're not feeling it. And some are thankful, of course, like Dr. Robin said, their life was spared or they're okay. But God has called us as the church to show Christ's love. And you might be thinking, but I don't know what to do. I, I, I really don't. I'm, I'm going to let you know this. Even a meal, just bringing punalu, sweet bread and butter to someone's home who has no power is just simply amazing. I mean, when you do things, you do small things in the name of Jesus, the person receiving it receives a huge welcome of the love of God. Small things with a big God brings big miracles. It happens. Small things. Just listen for needs. Listen for people's hearts and, and family members. Let's be God's delivery of hope instead of being indecisive about sharing his love. As we were trying to get our power hooked up and uh, we're still without power or, or trying to get you know, flowing, uh, running water, We're trying to figure out how are we going to do this. And so we siphoned, you know, water out of our water catchment. And then my brother came by and he said, hey, hey let's, let's try and see if we can hook up something. And so he had this water pump that can hook up to like a car battery. And so we're trying to put this together. And he says, oh, man, we need this little uh, like an elbow um, piece of PVC piping so we can turn it. And, and so we're trying to figure all this out. And he says, you know what, let me check my truck. So he goes to his truck, and he finds one. And so I said, uh, so I said oh, right on. So we hooked that up, and then we can't figure something else out. He said, oh, I wonder if we have Teflon tape. So he has Teflon tape. He goes, let me check my truck. Uh, he needs a screwdriver. Let me check my truck. Uh, he had everything in his truck. After that, all we needed was a solar panel <laughs> to recharge the battery. And this is what he says, let me check my truck. And he had one in his truck. He was like the monopole man of home improvement. He's like, what you need? I get solar panel. I have wiring. You need wire. What you need? And I said, whatever you got. And he provided everything. And I thought, that's the hope people need. They just need hope. And although we, they need tangible things, you know what, what people really need? They need hope for their souls. It can be pretty depressing right now for those who have no electricity, no hot water, and Heidi said it well. She said, all we're doing is camping in luxury. I thought, that's my perspective now. We're just camping in luxury. She said, look, we have, we look at our tent, our house. Look at our tent. We have rooms. Look how much water we have. So we're just camping in luxury. I mean, we grew up in Hawaii. We camped all the time. So let's just be God's delivery of hope. Pilate hears that Jesus is not from his jurisdiction, passes him on to Herod, King Herod. Now, Herod is the, is, is the one man that Jesus had nothing to say to. Herod wants to hear it from Christ. He heard all about the miracles of Jesus. He's saying, hey, hey perform a miracle for me. I want to see what you can do. And Jesus says nothing. The one who would speak a lot says nothing to King Herod. The one who called Zacchaeus out of the tree, the one 
who spoke to the woman at the well had nothing to say to King Herod. In Luke 23, verses 8 and 9, it says, Now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him, because he had heard many things about him. And he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. He didn't have to answer him. And Jesus, being the Son of God, just stood there while Herod just blasted him with questions. Even Herod's wife knew something about Jesus. In fact, she came to Herod, her husband, and while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife said to him, saying, have nothing to do with that just man. For I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Herod is stuck. Pilate is stuck. No one knows what to do. They are indecisive with the Son of God. You know what Pilate should have done? And I think many of us were at this place, and, or many of us are at this place right now. Pilate should have listened to Christ and gave him his full attention. Pilate could have repented. Pilate could have turned, his, turned around and turned his ways around and followed Jesus Christ, the ultimate leader. Pilate could have been a powerful instrument used by God. But because of indecision, being indecisive, he didn't know what to do. And Pilate missed an opportunity of a lifetime. Many of us are indecisive because just like Pilate, we would have to give up a lot. Pilate had a powerful position. He didn't want to lose that. And many of us have a lot to lose if we follow the ultimate leader. But more than that, we have much to gain. Many of us are indecisive with Christ because we have to give up time. We have to give up finances. We're going to give up food or sleep. And we don't want to give that up. But we gain more when we give up for Christ. He provides. He nurtures. He fills our souls. He satisfies us when nothing else can and like nothing else can because he created us in a way that we're supposed to connect with him. And sometimes we define our life by what we do Barabbas or Jesus? What decision am I going to make? What is it going to look like? Ultimately, they chose to release Barabbas and then Christ they crucified. Pilate heard many voices that day. He heard the voice of Christ. He heard the people's voice. He heard the government voice. He heard leadership voices. He heard many voices. He even heard his own voice. He still didn't know what to do. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Have you ever struggled with hearing the voice of the Lord, and so you're indecisive? No, anyone, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. In other words, Truth is always attached to the voice of Christ, and the voice of Christ is always attached to the truth. That's how you know it's the Lord. Some people played neutral, so they stood in the middle because it's easier than taking a stand for something. And we always say, and we've heard it before, if you don't take a stand for something, you will fall for anything. 
I would say take a stand for Christ because he never fails. His foundation is sure. Matthew 27, 24, and 25, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and our children. What a statement. It's a strong statement. Taking the responsibility for the cause of Christ's death. Many of us, we've come to that place where Pilate was. We wash our hands of our relationship. We say, wait, you don't like change? I'm not going to change, so I wash my hands. Well, you don't want to um, uh, help, then I'm not going to help. I wash my hands. You don't want to scratch my back? I'm not just going to scratch yours, okay? You don't want to forgive? I'm not going to forgive you either. And we wash our hands. And then we leave it at that, even in our workplaces, even with the Lord. Okay, Lord, you don't want to answer my prayer, then I'm not going to serve you. You don't want to do this, then I'm not going to go to church. You're going to do this? Okay, I'm not going to do this. It's like, why are we doing that? It's just something inside of us that causes us to be indecisive. Pilate didn't want to lose his position, so he compromised and listened to the wrong voice. In fact, later on in the book of Acts, after Jesus was crucified, raised from the grave some 70 years later in the book of Acts, in fact, this happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. You know what Pilate could have done? Pilate could have put his trust in Christ. Pilate could have believed in Jesus Christ, gotten saved. Many of us are at that place too. We could have. We should have. Should we? Should I get water baptized? Should I get involved? Should I be more committed to the church? Should I be more committed to the cause of Christ? I can tell you this. For those of you who tithe or you give of your finances, that would not, it would not be possible for us to distribute ice to people. Because of your giving, people who don't, don't even know you're giving are being helped. Some people will ask me, they'll say, hey, so where are you getting this from anyway? I say, oh, our church. Our church. We have ice machines that can make ice. And it's amazing that just a block of ice or a bag of ice brings hope to people, but connected with the hope of the world. It's because you give. It's because you sacrifice that last dollar being decisive about tithing and saying, no, it's a no-brainer for me. I'm going to constantly give to you, Lord. Even though I struggle, you always provide. You constantly give. And because of that, we can help people. People can come up here and take showers. People can come up here and, and bring their, their, their children and, and eat a, a meal. It's amazing what can happen when the people of God are not indecisive that we know what to do because Christ told us what to do. We want people to be like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. So we don't want to compromise. We want to be obedient to the Lord. You know, if you give up pleasures, sins, friends, things for the sake of Christ, he will always replace it with something better. Not saying he's going to replace your friends with better people, who knows, he may, he may do something in their lives. Who knows, you may become a better person so that you can help them become everything God made them to be. 
but he'll always give us something better. Matthew 19, verse 29 and 30, it says, And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Here's the good news in Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, that, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. People will begin to confess that because they see the love of God, they hear his voice, they understand him. Our responsibility is to bring truth to people by our lifestyle. And then God will speak to them and help change their hearts. Someone needs to plant a seed so God can grow it. I think our challenge today, instead of being indecisive of what we will do with Jesus Christ, that we be assertive, decisive, knowing what we'll do with what God has asked us to do, especially in this season. When you're driving and you see someone needs help, go help them. And I know we're skeptical because, hey, what if they jump in my car, rob me? And that can't happen. I'm just letting you know. We face that in our world today. Oh, I don't know about my neighbor. is an angry person. Someone, someone down our street one day just yelled, turn back on our electricity with some colorful words that I dare not even think about. And I thought, Lord, they need hope. They need hope. As I was delivering ice for coolers, I turned on a wrong street, and I was thinking, oh, where am I? Okay, I got to turn around, and I'm saying, Lord, you got to help me find this house. So I I turned down this driveway. You know how you back up and you turn around. And in my rearview mirror, I see these two women. They're raking up their yard, and it's like God puts on my heart, go give them some ice. Just ask them. And so I jump on and say, hey, aloha, you guys. uh, Do you guys need ice for your cooler? And this lady was on the phone, and she goes, are you kidding me? I said, yeah. She goes, who told you? I said, no, I, I was actually delivering to somebody else, but I was reversing in your driveway and I saw you. She goes, nobody told you? I said, no, I, I kind of came here just by accident. So uh, if you need, it would be great. And she said, well, is, is that for someone else? I said, no, I, I have more bags, but do you need? And she said, I was just calling because I needed for medical use. I needed it for my medicine." And instantly I said, thank you, Lord, that you know exactly what to do. And so we went to the cooler, grabbed the ice out, and we're walking with these bags of ice, and we're just talking story, and she's looking at me. She goes, Pastor. I was like, Lord. (laughs) So she goes, I said, yeah? She goes, Pastor Sheldon? And I said, yeah? She goes, I go to your church. I said, oh, hallelujah. So we're bringing the ice in. And it's just interesting how God connects people. And they were praying for ice. You may be an answer to someone's prayer when you're not indecisive 
even though you may think you made a mistake or even an accidental turnaround. Because if you're following the ultimate leader, ultimately, he will lead you exactly where you need to go, exactly what you need to do in your life at the exact time. He knows everything from beginning to end. And that's our Lord. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you for modeling for us how we can come about making decisions, risking on the sake of truth, on the side of your goodness, that even in this season, at this time where our island is is in need of help and people need the basic necessities, Lord, show us, give us wisdom, help us to be decisive, that if we're going to make blocks of ice and bring it up here, whatever the case, Lord, let us, let us know. Help us in this season, Lord, in our marriages, in our families, to make decisions based on your word, word of truth, that we would put aside our differences so that we can be righteous with you. Thank you for teaching us from your word how we can follow the ultimate leader. I pray for our congregation, our people, our church, our community, the workers that are working so hard to help people. I pray that you give them comfort and peace and strength, protect their families, their homes when they're away doing their work. And Lord, I thank you for this church who continues to give to you, who continues to serve you, so that people can find hope, hope that this world can never offer. I thank you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, amen.